Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless with all your wireless updates, news, and information. Just sit back and relax. Hey everybody, how you doing? I thought today I would talk about Rand Backhaul and Front Hall Overview. I'd like to thank Tower Tracker Pro for sponsoring this program. That's right, TowerTrackerPro.com. What they do, they have a software as a service that will walk you through your closeout package when you're at the tower. So your tower crew can visit the tower once and get it right the first time. And they can have it verified, modified, and audited before they even leave the tower by uploading the entire package and having someone back at the office look at all the pictures go through it step by step and make sure that all the metadata is in there for instance like the gps the time date stamps and all that make sure you have all that information in there it walks you through step by step and you can also see if the pictures are picture perfect making sure that you can see the serial numbers the information for each sector alpha omega and beta Alpha, beta, beta, ah, you know what I mean. But anyway, each sector is perfect. So you want to make sure you have that for Tower Tracker Pro, towertrackerpro.com. So it's been a little gloomy here in the Northeast. And one of the things I cover is microwave. And in the old days, every time it rained, <laughs> every time you had problems with the old analog microwave, you had bit errors, you had problems. And anyone that was uh, maintaining a cell site that had microwave, especially analog microwave, Always had bit errors and problems, and depending upon who you worked for, chances are you got a dispatch call when you had to deal with that. So it was a real pain in the butt. I'd like to take a moment to thank my sponsors, Tower Safety and Instruction, found at towersafety.com. I'd like to thank them for all the good work they do in training. They're an accredited school out in Phoenix, Arizona, but they serve people nationwide for all your tower training, safety, and drone training needs. Now with digital microwave, Things are a lot different, it's a lot cleaner, and I think things are planned out a lot better, and there's a lot more error correction than there used to be. I just remember storms were a nightmare, and then if you had lightning, oh, lightning was a nightmare because in the old days, it used to take equipment out all the time. Today, with better grounding practices and with better shielding, the microwave equipment's much better, but I digress. Let's talk about RAN front haul and RAN back haul in an overview. I can't quite speak today. Like I said, it's been a gloomy, gloomy week here in the Northeast, which is where I'm at. When you're looking at RAN, RAN is a radio access network typically composed of the BBU, which is a broadband unit, which is the brains of the unit, the radio head, which is the interface between the data and the air interface. The air interface is the wireless link. And then you have the antennas that go out to the UE, the user equipment. When you go out to the user equipment, that is your smartphone. Be very clear. Meanwhile, you have a site, which is basically made up of the BBU, the radio head, and the antenna. And they could all be in one unit in the case of a small cell. In a small cell, they have everything concentrated into one unit. It's pretty cool. But that radio site has to be told what to do. It has to be told who's a user, who's not a user, and connect. So it goes back to a mobility manager entity, which is in the core. It connects to the core. How do we connect to the core? Well, there's several ways. It isn't always just one hop or one connection or a direct connection, although it can be. Generally, there's three things that we look at. We look at fiber, we look at microwave, and we normally look at copper. But there is a fourth option, UE backhaul. And I'll get into that last. First, let's talk about copper because copper is something we just don't discuss that much anymore. But copper could be a cable modem, 
Copper could be, oh, DSL, ISDN, something like that. So when you have copper, generally you have an interface like that. And it's not very popular. Well, there's a lot of limitations. You don't have lease lines. You don't have digital lease lines like you used to. But in the days of CDMA and GSM, where it was a different format, uh, that was really 3G. You had a lot of copper back then. Even in 2G and even in the original, you had lease lines. Then you had T1s. You had DS3. And DS3 can do 155 megabits per second. But there's a lot of interfacing going on because you're changing formats. And that's the beauty of 4G and 5G moving forward because LTE is an all IP format. The only change you really have is the air interface where you go from IP to LTE. But the data is still an IP format. Just keep that in mind. There's probably a lot more overhead over the uh, air because you have a lot of error correction and you have a lot of, you have MIMO, you have a lot of things going on over the air. And they do all that so you get the maximum amount of bandwidth and you get the best signal, the best coverage. That's what they're doing that for. But let's concentrate on backhaul. So I told you about copper backhaul. I think you had the gist of that. Not real popular. A lot of the carriers didn't go for it. I think they use it for some small cells. And when I say small cells, I don't see it outdoors as much. They did a lot of testing with, with cable modems outdoors. But the problem with cable modems is you go through the cable network. And the cable network sometimes can be very intrusive. What I mean by intrusive is it isn't like you connect to the cable modem, you go right to the Internet. Sometimes they try to control the traffic or they like to watch it or they look for viruses. They do a lot of things that the carriers don't like. The carriers want to go either right to the Internet, but preferably... Now we migrate into cop, uh, fiber. Now let's go to fiber. I can't speak today, so bear with me. Fiber is normally a dedicated link. Now there's lit fiber and dark fiber. Generally, lit fiber is when something's already on it and you're just hopping on the lit fiber and you're sharing it with other people. But most carriers like dark fiber. Dark fiber is generally a dedicated link for wherever they want to go. They could do a hop, let's say for a small cell, they could do a hop back to another macro site, and the macro site may have dark fiber all the way back to the core. Or they could go through another network, connect to the internet, and then connect to the core. But that's generally what they like to do. Whereas with copper, generally you're going to the internet and you have to build a VPN tunnel to get back to your core. I think that's fine, but there's a lot of delays and problems. I'm just telling you what the carrier is like. The carrier is like fiber dedicated back to the core. If you want to know more, you'll have to ask them. But with fiber, the pros and cons of fiber are, the pro is it's awesome because you have a lot of bandwidth. I mean, it's really awesome because you can probably go up to a gigabyte per second depending upon the equipment you have, how far you go, how many hops you have, and, and things of that nature. You do have a distance limitation with fiber. But generally, you're going through so many switches, it's not an issue unless you're way out in the middle of nowhere, you're trying to hop back to a tower site, and then you have some real issues. So what you want to do is if you get fiber, you just have to plan it out very carefully. And that's what the carriers do. They spend a fortune to do that. The upside of fiber is as far as bandwidth, it's amazing. You can do so much with it. You have several strands. Normally, you don't just have one strand. You can set it up for transmit, one strand for transmit, one strand for receive. It depends what you have. That's generally how you do it. You have one for transmit, one for receive. However, the downside is it's more expensive to run. It's more expensive to get the different locations. You have to pay a, re a monthly reoccurring. So you not only have a higher capex, but you have a higher opex. It really adds to the cost. Now with copper, back to copper, copper generally is cheap to put in somewhere. You still have to pay for it, the cable modem and whatnot. But generally, 
It's very cost effective, but the monthly could run into some money. And again, I told you about the limitations about going through the internet and everything. So fiber, fiber is definitely the choice of most carriers. I mean, there's no competition, right? If you're talking front hall, where you go from the BBU to the radio to tower sites, they already use fiber. But if you have a remote BBU, as in the case of CRAN, centralized radio access network, they generally have the BBU at another location or another type of CRAN, which is cloud RAN, where they run the BBU off the cloud. They're still working with that in the U.S., but in China, they actually have live systems on it. And here, they're testing it here in the U.S. It's pretty cool. But the whole idea is you have the BBU process running somewhere else remotely to the radio head. Then it, in theory, all you have at the site is like the radio head and your only ground equipment, in theory, is the router, right? You're not going to have anything else. All the smarts, all the interfacing, all the radios, radio head, either up on a tower or on a pole, wherever. If you're in a building, this was like Ericsson's dot system. They had the brains in one room, let's say the basement or a data room, and then they put these little radio heads all over, which that they controlled that with, uh, I believe, Cat5. They did power over Ethernet and everything. Pretty cool, actually. So what you do here is you have fiber, which is a great solution, but very expensive to run pretty expensive to maintain. So what are the other options? Microwave. Microwave's a great short haul solution. It's not going to get you back to the core unless your core is within a few miles of the uh, <laughs> of the site. When I say a few miles, there's different types of microwave. The downside to microwave is with the microwave equipment, generally you have more delays. They're making faster, more efficient microwave equipment now for front haul because front haul, the delay is everything. That's why distance matters with front haul. You want to have the delay between the BBU and the radio head be minimal, as minimal as possible. And you want a lot of bandwidth because you have a lot of overhead because you have controlling going on too. It's not, you're not just passing data for internet access or anything like that. You're passing control data. You're passing permissions data. You're passing all the wireless overhead data for the air link from the radio head to the smartphone, let's say. So that's the thing with that is, it's limited, and you have different types of microwave. You have point-to-point, -point, which really is the best microwave, the most efficient. Uh, you could have full duplex where it's talking and listening all the time uh, on both channels, or you could have a lot of the frequency hopping. It's In theory, it's half duplex, but the way it is now, you don't even notice it. The speeds are incredible. It's very efficient, and that's what they're doing with it now. In fact, when you're in Wi-Fi or the ISM band, it's transmitting and receiving on all these different hops. You know, it's using uh, spread spectrum to talk and it works very well. Anyway, my point is microwave is pretty cool. It can be pretty efficient. And now you can get up to about a gig of over the air link on microwave, depending upon the equipment line of sight. But you do have other microwave. You have near line of sight, no line of sight, which a lot of times in the ISM band, which is 5.8 gigahertz I'm talking about here, you could have that. So that's one way that you could set something up where you didn't need line of sight, but you still have a distance limitation. So where microwaves generally used in the old days, they did use it to connect tower sites because they had the tower sites eh, within 10 miles of each other, they could connect. Now they use fiber for the tower sites. It's, it's more efficient. They can get a lot of bandwidth and they may still run the fiber back to another tower site and then take that tower site back to the core just to save money. It's efficiency, a little daisy chaining going on there but it really works well, uh, fiber. And microwave works well also. But what they're trying to do with microwave is put it out at the um, small cell sites. Why? 
because running fiber to a pole is very expensive if there's no fiber there. If there's fiber there, you just hook into it and everybody's happy. But it can run into a lot of cost. Whereas a microwave shot, if you have something small and efficient, you can see the tower site, bam, you're done. You can run it right back there. You got Even if you have like a smaller um, near line of sight system that doesn't have as much bandwidth, maybe you just need to connect that area. The downside is, again, line of sight really, really helps. You spend a little bit more money up front because you're buying the radios, you're doing a lot of the work, the alignment, somebody has to install it. But if you're putting in a small cell, someone has to install it anyway. So maybe it's a little more money. The great thing about microwave is, as far as the OPEX, the monthly reoccurring goes, all you're going to pay for is like the rent, if there's more rent, or maybe maintenance. You got to pay for maintenance of it. You know, you want to have some type of maintenance and troubleshooting contract to make sure it's reliable. Most microwave uh, companies today, their, their equipment's very reliable. But my point is, that's all you have. Whereas with fiber, you have the monthly reoccurring, you have to pay for the space. If you run it over 100 poles, you got to pay rent on each pole. Even though it's a few dollars a pole, it still adds up. And it's a lot of money. So it, it just all adds up quickly. And that's the thing about copper too. Copper for the backhaul can run into a lot of money. Even if it's 50 bucks a month, you have to pay that You know, every month for, let's say, 100 sites. Runs into a lot of money. Whereas with fiber, the theory is if you're paying rent, that's a different budget. Nobody really notices that. That's why people like it. So again, we're looking at three different things so far. We looked at copper, which could be a cable modem, ISDN, DSL. We're looking at fiber, which could be dark fiber, lit fiber. And fiber is really... So far, a great solution. That's everyone's favorite, going to be honest with you. And then we're looking at microwave, which solves a lot of solutions, saves a lot of money on reoccurring. And it really is a quick and easy way to get up. Because if you have microwave, you can put your site in, connect back to the macro site, and in theory, have it up in a day or two. You know, you can have it up when you do the install. That's the theory. I'm just throwing it out there for you. So you have the microwave links and you have that, but there is another option. And I have a lot of detail in the blog, wadeforwireless.com. Go to the blog. I have a lot more detail. I get more into spectrum, like the 23 gig, 24 gig, the 11 gig range for microwave, different types of fiber, when you use it, when you don't use it. But the other thing I want to talk about here is UE backhaul, user equipment backhaul. Now, what is that? I, I did a blog on this before, but I put the whole thing in here so you had it. What it basically is, is you have a UE device that receives from another cell site. It, when I say UE device, we generally think of smartphones. So I'm going to put this in something that's going to help you understand, right? If you have a smartphone, an iPhone or a Droid, and if you ever took that smartphone and set it up to be a hotspot, meaning it broadcasts Wi-Fi so you can connect to your laptop. It's like tethering your laptop through Wi-Fi. If you've ever done that, then chances are good you know what a UE backhaul is because that's literally the same thing. So just imagine putting that smartphone on steroids and instead of having a Wi-Fi front hall, like a Wi-Fi over-the-air link to the smartphone, now you have an LTE link over-the-air to the smartphone. That's what it is. You're using your UE backhaul device to connect to another cell site to bring up your new site. I mean, isn't that amazing? So maybe instead of a Wi-Fi output, it has an Ethernet connection and you can connect into it. Now it sounds great. You have that, put in a UE device, voila. In fact, if you look at mobility, this was really their model to connect back 
to a lot of sites for Sprint. When Sprint was going to deploy, they, they at least this is what I gather from everything I've read, they generally were going to use UE backhaul to connect to uh, the other macro sites so they would have a backhaul. How amazing is that? I mean, then you can just put something up high on the tower, you have a backhaul, there is a downside. Well, it sounds great. It sounds like, oh, we should be putting them up everywhere in the small cells and backhaul. And it sounds really great. But um, now the downside. When you're using UE backhaul, you have to make sure that the donor site is prepared for it. Because here are the problems you have. If you just put in a UE device, it could hop from cell to cell to cell. That could be a problem because you're higher up. It might, you know, it's processing might pick different signals. The other thing you want to think about is how are you going to handle more bandwidth from the tower site? Is it going to suck up a whole channel and then all of a sudden your other users off that site don't work? So here's what I learned with that. Generally with the tower site, you have to dedicate the spectrum for UE backhaul and you have to allocate a little more spectrum with that. And spectrum is very valuable to the carriers. That's why I haven't seen a lot of carriers and I could be wrong. But I, I haven't seen Verizon use this a lot. I haven't seen AT&T use this a lot. And if they're using it, prove me wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Even T-Mobile I haven't seen use it. But the reason I've seen Sprint using it is because Sprint has a ton of 2.5 gigahertz bandwidth. They have this spectrum there. It's TDD. It's amazing. I mean, if I were Sprint, I would just put in 100 meg links everywhere. <laughs> I, I get why they're doing it. They have it. Now, with that said, I make it sound easy, right? I'm sure there's a lot more to it. And you can ask any site engineer about what the effort is to do it. But generally, you want to dedicate the spectrum for this. Because if you just let it off a normal channel, it's going to suck up spectrum for that site. You also have to do a little site engineering and network engineering to make sure that you're not going to overdo it. This is where you really have to plan things out. See, I think what happened was, I think certain carriers thought they could do this quickly and easily, and they tested it. And they were all excited because it worked well. But then as the loading became heavier for the small cells, it became a real problem, a real drain on resources at the macro site. And suddenly, the other smartphones off the macro site were complaining because they're like, hey, what the hell is going on? I'm not connecting anymore. I'm getting dumped. Meanwhile, there's some small cell that has a bunch of users on it. And those guys are using it all, you know, so you have to engineer it. It's not something you just throw in. But UE devices are cheap, man. There's a company out of China that makes them for almost everybody. They're cheap. I mean, I would highly recommend if, if, you, uh, if you have the bandwidth, I think it's a great way to go. I, I think it's cool. But there's a lot of downside. You know, it takes a lot of engineering, a lot of planning. And it's, it's just not as easy as you think as far as uh, throwing it out there and using it. Now, with that said, there are other companies like Cradlepoint that uses, you know, a cell backhaul instead of an Ethernet connection where you can connect your office in and have your office connected overnight. Or you could have it in a car where you can connect Wi-Fi up and connect 10 users. They have a great solution for that. That's a different solution, but it's, it's essentially, I was going to say it's the same thing, but it's very similar, very similar application. CradlePoint's a pretty cool company. I'll put the link in under the resources section for this blog, just so you guys have it. Anyway, I want to go over RAN backhaul for you guys. This is really the step to 5G, and I really went over 5G, which is an all IP network. Keep that in mind. 
4G and 5G, all IP, LTE, all IP, IP from the core all the way out in theory to the phone. It's supposed to be an all IP network. So there's no conversion of IP to anything else, even though there's overhead, error checking, error correction. There's different air formats, like when you're going to the smartphone. Just wanted to give you a heads up on that. All right, everyone, be smart, be safe, and pay attention. See ya. Mm -hmm.